The text for this sermon this afternoon is Deuteronomy 6, the verses 4 to 9. We'll read those verses again. Deuteronomy 6, the verses 4 to 9. Beginning at verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So far the text. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ. You each said, I do. Jordan and Leanne, you said, I do. And all the parents here have said the same at the, the baptismal font in response to the questions from the form for baptism of infants. Also that third question, third, do you promise as as father and as mother, to instruct your child in this doctrine as soon as, as she's able to understand or have her instructed therein to the utmost of your power? Answered, I do. Well, it's in connection with that question and the response of parents at the baptism of their children here that I chose that text we have before us this afternoon from the book of Deuteronomy. You know that the book of Deuteronomy was actually something like Moses' farewell sermon. Just before the Israelites are going to enter into the promised land of Canaan, just before he was going to die, Moses reminded the people of the covenant that they had with the Lord. And the first part of this book of Deuteronomy is the, about the introduction to the law that the Lord, their God, delivered them out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. And then the other part of this book, the rest of this book, is all about the Ten Commandments of God's law, and they're explained in the context of Israel living in the Promised Land. And then, so it's a, it's a, a book mainly about the law, God's will and way with his old covenant people. How he delivered them in his grace and how he now wants to sanctify them also in his grace. And that's actually the name, what the name Deuteronomy means. It uh, means law for the second time. And in our text then he reminds the Israelites that they are to instruct their children in the law. That the Lord has delivered them and that he wants them to live that way. Teach them diligently to your children. He says in verse 7 of the text, I'm afraid that our translation in the New King James Version isn't very literal there. The Hebrew word 
used there is shenunim. And a shenunim is a sharp instrument, like an awl or the point of an arrowhead, an iron arrowhead, sharp point of a sword. And then it's something that you inscribe with. The idea is then that you inscribe the law on your children as you would with a sharp point. I like how the NIV, the New International Version, translates this better than it says in, in that version, verse 7, impress them on your children. You could even go a step further. You could say, inscribe them on your children. The theme I use for this sermon then is to impress the Lord's will and way on your, your children. And we see two things, how we are to do that and how we can do that. First, how we are to do that. Congregation, it says in verse 7, impress them on your children. Inscribe them. Let's think about what that word impress or inscribe stands for here. The, the students at school know all about blackboards or, or whiteboards. You know, they, they work from them in class at school, I assume, or at least in, in catechism class, I know that for sure. Um, everybody can read what is written on the whiteboard or the blackboard. If I write something on it, you can read that. But when I wipe across that board with an eraser or cloth, it's gone. Everything I wrote is gone. Maybe you can still see a smear, but it's unreadable. Now imagine that I come with a sharp instrument, like a, an awl, and I inscribe the words right on into the board, right into the, into the whiteboard or, or the blackboard. Of course, the school board wouldn't be happy if I did that, but what I wrote would be a lot more permanent. You could rub across here with a cloth or an eraser, but it would stay. You could still read it. Inscribed right into, the, into the, that black or the white board, impressed in the material so that it can't be erased anymore. Well, remember that image. That's the, what the impressing of God's will and way on our children in the text means. The Lord says to Moses, tell the parents that they are to inscribe on their children's hearts and their minds that I am the Lord their God who delivered them and that they are therefore to walk in my ways. They are to impress their, on their children the mercy of the Lord, the God of the covenant who delivered them from slavery and death in Egypt and led them into the promised lands and they are to impress on the hearts and minds of their children the love of the Lord for them and the manner of life he expects from his children now that he has delivered them from sin and death. In other words, the parents are to impress the word of God with its wonderful promises and serious obligations on their children. And that doesn't mean hammer it into their children in the sense of forcing it down their throats. It means writing God's word indelibly in their minds and in their hearts so that they never forget the Lord. They always love him, want to serve him as he wants them to serve him. How do you 
impress God's word, God's covenant promises and obligations on your children like that. Well, Moses says right after that in verse 7, you shall talk of them. Talk of them. Now, raising your children in the fear of the Lord involves a lot more things than talking, but talking to your children is extremely important. Parents need to talk with their children about the Lord, about what he has done for them in his great mercy, and about how he therefore also wants them to live for him as his own children. Parents need to teach their kids a lot of things in life, how to walk, how to talk, how to talk rightly and so on, but the most important thing of all that covenant parents have to teach their kids is God's love for them in Jesus Christ and how they need to respond to that love. And they need to talk to their children about that so that it lives in their children and that they never forget it so that it marks their lives. It's, it's inscribed in their hearts. And that, by the way, is also the background of the fifth commandment of God's covenant law. Why does the Lord require children to obey their, their fathers and their mothers? Not only because it's healthy for kids to learn discipline and respect. No, the Lord especially gave that commandment to, to create a whole context in which parents can talk with their children about the Lord and children can listen to their parents about what the Lord has done for them and wants from them. The task of covenant parents is to impress on their children the way of the Lord, to follow Jesus Christ in New Testament terms, we could say, and to fulfill that task, the parents have to talk to their children about the Lord and talk to their children about the Lord a lot, a lot. Because listen to what it says in the text, verse 7, you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. That means everywhere and always, whenever that opportunity presents itself, it should be part and parcel of your everyday life to talk to your children about the Lord, His salvation, and His way. Something like what the Apostle Paul writes in Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. That doesn't mean that you, you always have to have your hands folded and your eyes closed. You wouldn't have time to work. No, it means let prayer be a natural, integral part of your everyday life. Well, so talking to your kids about the Lord and His way and His will should be an integral part of the covenantal parenthood. Talking about the Lord with your children should be part and parcel of your home life when you, when you travel, from when you go to bed till you rise up in the morning, whenever time and occasion present themselves. And what should be the aim of such talking with our children? Is it just so that they know the Bible inside out and they can always win at Bible trivia or so? Do we need to turn our children into little theologians who know all the doctrines of the Bible and all the, the confessions off by heart? 
That might sound that way when you listen to that third question of the form for baptism. Do you promise as father and mother to instruct your child in the doctrine of the Bible and the confessions as soon as they're able to understand? That might sound like we kind of need to teach our children a doctrinal system, a list of dogmatic truths or something like that, but that's actually not what that, the thrust of that is. It's about permanently inscribing the whole truth about God on our children's hearts so they love him and they want to serve him from the heart. That's what it's about. Look at how the text starts congregation with that beautiful confession that every child in Israel knew off by heart. It's called the Shema Israel. Every Jewish child today recites that too. Verse 4, Hear, O Israel, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord, is one. Now, you see that there's a footnote there in the, in the uh, Bible, in our Bibles. You can also translate that as the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And I think that's actually the, the better translation here. Because that's what it's about in the context. The Lord is the one who saved Israel from Egypt, and therefore he alone is their God. And that's what children need to hear from their parents. We have a mighty and gracious God, the Lord, the God of the covenant. He saved us. He delivered us from slavery through Jesus. We belong to him and to him alone. And so we should love and serve him and him alone. So you see, it's, it's not just about Bible knowledge or system of doctrines. It's about their hearts, what's in here. And you see how that works later on in Deuteronomy 6. It says in verse 20, when your son asks you in time to come, saying, what is the meaning of the testimonies, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord our God has commanded you? Well, then you shouldn't say, well, listen, I, I, I don't always like what God commands us either, but it's something we have to do. We have to do it. That's the way it is because God's the boss over us. Or something we have to do because we have to work our own salvation or something like that. No, then you need to talk to your son or your daughter about what the Lord has done for you in his grace and to praise him for that. How to praise him for that? We are caught in a terrible trap, my child. We are doomed to eternal darkness and prison forever. Caught in the power of the devil and death. But the Lord God did something awesome. He delivered us. He ransomed us. And he gave us new life and a future in Jesus Christ. And that's why he's your God. And he takes care of you now as his covenant child. And he wants you to live as his child in everything now too. See, brothers and sisters, different way of talking about it. Talk with your children about who God is for you and and also for them in Jesus Christ. Show them how natural it is then that you want to follow his will too out of gratitude. And how you want to hear that will of God. 
And then you don't always have to wait until your child asks questions about it either. It's, it's nice if they ask questions and that makes it easy for you to give instruction to them too. Mom, where is God? And then you have the opportunity to talk about who God is and about heaven and about his being everywhere. But you, you don't have to wait until your children come with those kind of questions. You can also create opportunities for that. You can ask your child questions too or talk to them so that they, they do ask you things. Come sit with me, sit with me here. I'm going I'm to tell you about something here. Or you can use the opportunities provided by God's wonderful creation. You know, if you're on a hike somewhere and you see something beautiful, you know, a plant or a beautiful plant or an animal, you a good opportunity to talk about the Creator and His wisdom and His glory. Or you see a rainbow, good opportunity to talk about uh, the flood and God's covenant with nature afterwards. Let your child know that your own heart belongs to the Lord and that you live to praise Him. So impressing the Lord's way and will on your children means talking to your children about that. You can't raise a child in the fear of the Lord without telling them about the Lord. Even though they're the Lord's children, they don't automatically know the Lord and how to live for them. They're not programmed that way. They're still children of Adam, programmed not to want to know. We need to talk with the children and the young people, brothers and sisters. Let them know God's great deeds. Teach them the Lord's good commands, how to live for him, about not lying and stealing and the boundaries for sexual relations and giving first fruits to the Lord and so on and so forth. Can you overdo that, you wonder, <clears throat> talking to the, your children? I think you can overdo it. If you're trying to force your children to live as the Lord wants without telling them why they need to do that, and without also realizing that the Holy Spirit has to work that in their hearts. You know, you can kind of try to make it a control issue instead of a matter of guiding them with the help of the Holy Spirit to serve the Lord. Our children have to learn to obey the Lord out of love, not out of fear for their parents or because there's an angry God or something like that. Think of what the Apostle Paul writes, Ephesians 6, Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. You can exasperate and embitter your child if you force it on them all the time. If you're too forceful about what's right and wrong and don't give them the opportunity to ask themselves, but you talk too much. And remember too, it's not their behavior that is the main thing, but it's their hearts. And the Holy Spirit can reach their hearts. You can also talk too little. Parents maybe sometimes find it hard to really talk to their children about the Lord and about spiritual matters, especially if the parents aren't great talkers themselves or if their own parents didn't talk about it much either, then it's harder for them too to, to talk. But you can say a lot with a few words here. 
The point is that you impress on your children how gracious the God of the covenant is with his promises and his deliverance and how good it is to live for him alone. But it's not good if parents can talk and talk about all kinds of superficial things about sports and whatnot, but are unable to talk with their children about who's really important in their life and what's important, namely the relationship with their covenant God. Our children have to hear and have to also see in us how important the Lord and his covenant promises are to us, how we as parents put that relationship with the Lord above money, possessions, and everything else. And then they, they see that the Lord is really important to you, is really important to them. They need to see that the Lord is your God, the Lord alone. We come to the second point, how we can impress the Lord's way and will on our children. Congregation, what I mean with this point is, what is the thing that makes us able to impress the Lord's way and will on our children? When do our children notice that parents really take the Lord, the God of the covenant, seriously? Moses says to the parents in, in verse 6, he says, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. He's talking to the parents. In your heart. Our children will certainly notice it if the love for the Lord lives in the hearts of the parents. They'll notice that in your words and in your deeds, in everything you do, in your walk. And in this regard, I ask you, when does the raising of children in the fear of the Lord begin? Does it begin when your child learns to, to understand something, learns to talk, you teach them to say a little prayer at table? Or does it begin maybe even earlier when you hold your baby and you sing a song like Jesus loves me while you're, you're busy with them? That's actually not where the raising of your children in the fear of the Lord begins. It begins in your own heart. These words which I command you today shall be in your heart. That's where it has to start, all this instruction, with what's in your heart, what's most important of all to you. Because if the love for the Lord doesn't live in your own heart and come through in your own life, you will not be able to teach your child to love the Lord either. Not even if you talk piously about him a lot. It'll certainly show in what you do then whether you truly love the Lord alone or whether he is your God alone. You can create an atmosphere in your home. Let's not kid ourselves. Our, our children are very sharp in perceiving what the atmosphere is and drawing conclusions from that about what really lives in their parents' hearts. The talking is important, but the, the atmosphere in the home is so important too. It's that atmosphere, is that, is that an atmosphere in which there is attention for the Lord and love and respect for each other in the Lord? Are mom and dad sincere and happy in their faith? You don't have to be perfect, but sincere, repentant, 
Are they thankful that they know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior? Do they serve the Lord with glad hearts? See, long before a child has learned to listen and to speak, that child has already breathed in that whole atmosphere in the home. What's in your heart comes out in your words, but not words alone. Words can be deceiving. Parents could talk piously about the Lord on Sunday, but be drunk on Monday. And that makes it hard, incredibly hard. I might even say impossible for a child to understand what God is really all about. If we love the Lord with our own hearts, that'll come out in how we talk and also in how we live and act in our homes. It's not a guarantee that they're going to grow up as believers. But you certainly create a, a condition where the Holy Spirit can be active too. Certainly helps them to know that the Lord God is their God. Last Sunday, we paid some attention to how the Apostle Paul uses the beautiful image of smell for speaking and living the gospel in the second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 15. He talks there about spreading the aroma of Christ. Do our children smell at home as well as in church and wherever we are, smell the aroma of Christ in us, that he's number one in our hearts. We have to make sure that the love for the Lord really lives in us, congregation, and to sincerely work at that takes self-discipline, too. For the boys and girls and the young people, they can smell hypocrisy a mile away. Notice how at the end of our text, Moses tells the Israelites to tie God's commands as symbols on their hands and bind them on their foreheads, write them on the door frames of their houses and on their gates. Maybe you've seen a picture of Orthodox Jews. You know how they, they pray at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem or somewhere, and you notice they had these, all these little black boxes tied to their arms and, and to their foreheads. They tie them on, and they wear those whenever they pray. Well, in those little boxes, they have little rolls of paper all rolled up with the law of God written on them. And that's because they take the words of verses, the verse 8 of our text literally, only literally. They literally tie the law of God on a piece of paper in a little box on their forehead or on their hand, their arm. They also literally write it on paper and post it on the door frames of their houses or on their gates. Now, the Lord God didn't mean that with that command of the text, you realize that, because that's just external. He wants us to internalize the word. He meant that we keep his word in our minds and hearts at all times, that we take it into account in everything we do with our hands, in our homes, when we go out of our gates and come in. Because if we do not honor God's way and will in our minds and hearts at all times, governing that let it govern what we do with our hands, what we think in our minds, what we do in our homes, 
we so easily can go wrong in what we say or do, go against what the Lord who delivered us asks of us, and that can lead to disaster. Therefore, the Lord says to his covenant people, also to the parents, keep my word in your mind at all times so that you know what you may and what you may not do. Let my commands make the atmosphere in your home over the threshold of your home. That my will be what, what governs everything there. Parents, imagine, imagine that your own parents kept doing themselves what they were telling you not to do. Imagine that they told you not to lie and you noticed, you're not telling the truth either here, Dad. Or you're kind of gossiping and slandering somebody here, Mom. Or maybe with business or taxes or so, you notice they're not always honest or fair. Imagine that your parents taught you that you need to be kind to others and you saw them fighting with each other. When they talked to you about living rightly with the Lord, you'd think, you know, I'm sure you would think as a child, oh, look at yourselves. You're not doing what you say either, so you're not taking it seriously. Well, so impressing things on the next generations involves talking to them, but also living it for them ourselves. That's just as important. As office bearer, you know, you sometimes meet older people who say, when I was growing up, my parents didn't talk that much about spiritual things, but they, they never, ever missed a prayer and Bible reading at the table. And they never missed a worship service on Sundays. And they always worked things out in a good way and were always ready to help others. They were always sorry for things they had done wrong and expressed that. So even though they didn't say much, you could tell they loved the Lord. The example the parents give their children is so important to impress on their hearts the Lord's way and the atmosphere in your home. And you know, giving good example to the next generation is something not just for the parents, though. It's for the whole congregation. We all belong together as a family. The congregation is called to do that, too, for the next generation. We're all part of God's family here. The next generation needs to see the love for the God of our salvation in Christ in action here in the lives of all of us here. Kids look to others in the church too. How does he and she live? We're responsible to each other. And kids are always aware of what's going on. And if they see hypocrisy in the words or actions of congregation members, can you imagine what a big discouragement that is to them? How that can make them cynical. No, not that we all need to be perfect in everything, because we all have our faults and weaknesses and our struggles, don't we? But as long as the youth of the church not only hear us speak of Christ, but also see us all as older generations, sincerely and humbly striving to follow Christ, wanting to do the right thing, then they will take it seriously too. Impress it on your children, the text says. Take that command 
seriously. Parents, take that command seriously, congregation. Let's do our utmost to indelibly inscribe the love and service of the Lord our God, who is the Lord alone. Let's inscribe that on the hearts of the next generation so that they never forget, even if they do sometimes depart from it.